Guten Morgen, Haley. Guten Morgen, Christian. So today we're talking with Terry Zhang from Toronto. Yes, and Terry is quite the individual. Mm -hmm. He's done several international internships already, and he currently works for the Boston Consulting Group in Dubai. Wow, and he's like a year older than us. I know, he is super cool. I'm sure he has lots of great advice that every one of us should emulate. <laughs> he definitely does. Let's get into it. Sick. Hi, Terry. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so, so much for hopping on for an interview. We're Perfect. so excited to talk to you. No, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. One question I'd like to start out with is just something, one of your favorite stories to tell or something really unique about you, just so our listeners can get to know you a little better. For sure. I think in the last two years, I've been working pretty hard in my, in my professional career. So I guess the funny stories or, or the interesting stuff will probably be right before that. And so between graduating university and starting my job, uh, I did spend 100 days uh, literally living out of my tent and backpacking across Northern Europe, so the Nordic specifically. It was definitely the, the time of my life, just sleeping in a tent every day, hiking, uh, hitchhiking, taking awesome pictures, being really free. Yeah, that's where I think 90% of my great photos have come from, that short span between uh, starting my job. So that's something I always like to tell people. To give you a bit of background, um, grew up in Canada, Toronto specifically. Uh, high school, I did the International Baccalaureate program, so it was, it was quite interesting. Uh, and then I went to Queen's University to study commerce for my bachelor's. Uh, so spent four years there, and it was, it was quite interesting, a mix of business, uh, some CS and, and, and finance. One of the highlights for my undergrad was going on exchange, where I spent a semester in Vienna, Austria. It's definitely uh, a dream come true for me uh, because uh, on the side, I do enjoy classical music. And, <laughs> and so it, it was definitely uh, staying in Vienna was, was a top highlight. And I guess more on a professional side, I did a few internships in my undergrad uh, and they took me around the, the world. I, I spent a, my first summer in South Africa, uh, my sophomore summer in uh, D.C., my third year finally in, in Toronto, <laughs> where I actually uh, was based, and then uh, fourth year, I guess, graduation, I had that big trip. Uh, and then in 2018, September, I kickstarted my career at uh, BCG here in the Middle East, specifically in Dubai. So I guess that's quite a few different uh, regions in the world. Uh, now I've got a bit of a flavor for. And uh, yeah, I've been here approaching two years now. And it's it's been uh, quite quite a fun ride, I'd say. Um, and that's that in a nutshell is the, the elevator pitch. Wow, that's incredible. So living and working abroad so much during your undergrad and so young in your career, could you walk us through kind of how you received those international opportunities so early on? For sure. I think um, maybe to, as a background really quickly, uh, I was in a scholarship program for my undergrad. Uh, in Canada, they have this specific program called the Laurent Scholarship, uh, where they um, part of the program is uh, the participants have to go abroad and, and look for, I guess, different opportunities in different sectors. I mean, you can do them within Canada, but there's also a great network and set of opportunities abroad. So I think that definitely helps. Also, most people tend to just look domestically, uh, either within their state or at the very least within their, their country. Uh, of course, due to work visa simplicity and, and other 
uh, factors. But I do think there there are some great benefits in working abroad and getting a different perspective uh, on on the world and different cultures. Um, and um, yeah, so long story short, I think uh, I think I had a, a good network to look for these opportunities, but also just reaching out, uh, cold emails, um, being very diligent in your searching. Uh, it definitely yielded a lot of different uh, options worth pursuing. Um, and then regards to my current position, it's BCG being a global firm, of course, it's quite easy to, to recruit for different uh, international offices. And so um, recruiting for Dubai was a pretty standard process. I don't, I wouldn't say I went out of uh, against the grain uh, and uh, or against the common path. <laughs> so I think that was pretty, pretty common for, I think if you're recruiting for banking or or something else that's pretty traditional. It's that uh, these routes are, are definitely there to, to explore. Huh. So it seems like there's like a bit of like both, right? There's opportunities plus like dil diligent searching from your end to get these opportunities. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. With all your travels and going to all these different places, did you have any like big like culture shock moments? Right, right. I guess I, first of all, maybe to preface, I, I don't think I, really had many culture shock moments before my travels but coming to the middle east uh i think back in august 2018 it was definitely a big step up uh number one uh, just being in a completely do different i guess geographic location in the world with a different set of i guess cultural norms uh and customs i think that was a bit new for me i was doing a lot of reading and talking to people i knew who had worked here before to i guess prepare for that and um yeah actually my first week in dubai i kind of just stayed uh spent the entire time in my airbnb and just never <laughs> my room and just i think it was more just fear of or anxiety of just moving away from all my family and friends and an established i guess sense of familiarity and towards something new although i'd say dubai is still relatively easier to adjust to given its large expat community um so it didn't feel i feel like there's i guess other places that could cause uh, even greater shock. But nonetheless, I think the first week it was it was quite a strange sensation for me. But then I, I kind of quickly got used to it. And, um, and I think once work actually started, uh, everything normalized. Uh, I got to meet a bunch of different colleagues from around the world and, and start getting used to this, uh, the new culture, I guess, uh, undertones that pervaded the workplace. So uh, yeah, I guess my move to Dubai was uh, the biggest culture shock to me to date. But even that didn't last uh, too long, per se. I feel like culture shock is more of a factor if you're more close-minded. Mm. If you think, if you expect everyone to live the way you've been used to living. I guess because I've made trips back to China before, where my family's originally from, mm. and I visited kind of the rural sides where some of my, my cousins uh, live. So I guess I'm quite, quite open-minded to realize the Western world way of living uh, is definitely not the norm for the rest of the world. And so I think just having that open mindset and embracing, I guess, other people's uh, ways of living and understanding their stories. And uh, I think that that really helps. Because I mean, going back to my travels, right? Uh, I was quite used to literally living out of my tent and hitchhiking for, for quite a long time. Right. For me, I'm, I'm quite used to just doing the, the bare minimum, if you will. I, I think that's a source for shock for quite a lot of people when they, they switch locations as well. They think, oh, how can you live like this or eat this kind of food? For me, that's all never been an issue. And so then it really becomes understanding culture perhaps why is society structured this way why are these like norms compared to what you're used to at home 
And then that's just keeping an open mind and understanding, uh, you know, the world doesn't revolve around the way you see things. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and talking to people and learning from them and, and just respecting that, right? It, uh, all of these points, in my opinion, lead to culture shock never really being an issue. It's more, right. I guess, a curiosity to see, oh, I know how, how we live in the Western world. Uh, how is life differently elsewhere? So I think that's, that's pretty unique. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's way cool. I know like for me, uh, when I've done some traveling my own, it's kind of the same concept, right? Like it's like Western world isn't like the only way to do things. <laughs> There's plenty of other things, there are other ways to do it. So I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so Terry, have you always known that you wanted to work internationally? You've had so many great experiences. Has that kind of developed from experience to experience? Or have you always known, like, I want an international career, I want to see the world? How has that been for you? For sure. It's definitely been a step-by-step process. I wouldn't say I had a master plan as soon as I entered university to say I'm going to work in X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Um, I think my passion for travel, at least, really originated in my third year when I went on exchange in in Vienna and uh, Europe and and kind of did my, I guess, uh, mini Euro Euro trip uh, during that time. It really spurred this interest in seeing more of the world. I think in the Western world, too many people um, jump straight into their careers. When you speak to a lot of more seasoned professionals, maybe in their 30s and 40s, and at least in my experience, when I asked them, what's your biggest regret? Or if you went back and changed one thing, what would you have done differently? And the one uniform constant answer has always been, I wish I would have taken more time to just do some things I'd now I can't do now that I have a family or I'm married or other obligations, right? I think this desire to really travel and see the world before, <laughs> before I guess, one, uh, another global pandemic really shuts it down for good, or two, um, just uh, before I get bogged down by other obligations in life, uh, to live that kind of youthful life that most people will spend um, toiling away in corporate settings. That's definitely been, I guess, a new... I guess philosophy I've embraced in the last year or so, and uh, I'm back in university. And then the desire to go to Dubai was, I mean, it's quite a multitude of factors that contributed to this decision. On one hand, um, I thought staying in Toronto would be quite boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. I knew Toronto is always a home uh, that I can go back to with my family and all my friends there. But I was just 22 at the time. And when you have a whole nother, I guess, part of the world calling for you as an opportunity it's i think it, it's very hard to say no right uh, and even if it didn't work out um i can at least say I've, I've tried whereas not trying it and not knowing what that would look like i think that would have always bothered me moving forward so i think part of the question really is how reversible or irreversible your path is um and so i think for most people it's quite easy to return home and can probably find a, a job thereafter but uh, if you have an opportunity abroad and, and it's a really unique one, definitely seize it and, and take advantage of it. I think the, the other factor that really led me to Dubai is it's just um, the travel opportunities. So North America, we, you don't get as many vacation days, I find, uh, compared to the rest of the world. When I was traveling in Europe, everyone was shocked that, you know, on average in North America, it's two to three weeks, right? It's, it's not a lot of time. Um, Europe, I think it's five weeks on average. And, and for us, it's five weeks as well. So having more time to travel is nice. I looked into this and it turns out Canada and the United States both receive very few vacation days in comparison to other countries around the world. For example, in most provinces, Canadian employees receive a minimum of two weeks of vacation for every year of employment. 
and the United States is the only developed country in the world without a single legally required paid vacation day or holiday. In comparison, by law, every country in the European Union has at least four work weeks of paid vacation. So Terry's on to something here. Um, and also in this region, I mean, I did a lot of homework. Our public holidays are consecutive, which is really cool. Because I know, for example, in Canada, and I, I don't know the U.S. holidays, but they're pretty similar, right? You have uh, a few one-off days here and there, for like Thanksgiving and uh, Independence and Memorial, or whatever it may be, right? But you can't really do any trips when you have a three-day weekend. You can't, I mean, fly internationally, that's what I mean. Whereas uh, all of a sudden here, we have quite a few five-day holidays uh, that enables more travel. And just Dubai is quite strategically located traveling to Africa, to Southeast Asia, to Central Asia, even to Europe, it's all within five to seven hours. Whereas from Toronto, it takes seven hours to fly to London, uh, seven hours to fly to Peru. So it's, um, that's another factor that contributed to me wanting to work abroad. Um, going back, maybe just to summarize my answer to your question, I'd say my passion for working abroad really came from trying to travel and see the world before, quote unquote, it's, it's too late or before I decide to settle down somewhere. And uh, working in Dubai specifically had quite a few advantages that, that cater to that need. And I think I'm also just an adventurous person in my, down in my soul. And I think staying in Toronto was just too safe of a play that, quite frankly, I find a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know you're an adventurous person and you think like a huge city like Toronto is boring. <laughs> I mean, uh, not, not to diss my own city, right? I, I think the, the funny thing is the more time you spend away from your home, you start to miss it more, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. There was one time I went traveling. I just remembered how much I missed a Walmart. <laughs> I could just buy like anything I wanted in one store. It's like, oh, that was really convenient back then. <laughs> for sure, for sure. With all your international travel, do you, do you see yourself continuing just doing international assignments or opportunities like for as long as you possibly can? Like, or do you think like, oh, by the time I'm 30, I'll probably stop and just kind of settle down? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess... I don't have a definitive answer. I, I have a inclination of what I'm thinking about right now, but of course everything might, might change moving forward. Where I am right now is I have a whole bucket list of places I really want to see, photograph and explore. And I think once my idea is to try to tackle this bucket list before I settle down, um, I guess I've, I've divided my travel in life kind of into uh, two phases. One is what I can do now as a healthy, uh, independent, uh, single uh, person. And then later on when I have a family and, and then to do things from a more family-oriented perspective. So right now I want to do as much of the, the stuff I can as an able-bodied person. Like hike as many mountains, do as much <laughs> trekking as, as possible. Uh, these things you never know. Um, maybe when you're, when you're older, maybe your, your bones or something, your arthritis uh, right. won't be able to... Uh, allow you to do that or to knock off like 30 miles uh, a day of hiking. I don't know if I could do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry, a 30 mile hike would be uh, quite a large endeavor for a single day, but <laughs> definitely, definitely doable if you had to. <laughs> but um, no, my, I guess my, my, to answer your question really, it's I have a huge bucket list of items, uh, of destinations I want to see, and they've definitely been prioritized in terms of how sustainable I think they'll remain that way. This is quite a few, I guess, locations that in my opinion are running out of time. 
either glaciers are retreating, forests are being cut down, or places are being open for commercialization, which changes the whole experience. So the goal is really to explore these places because 10 years from now, they're definitely not gonna be the, the same. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then see, see what happens after that. Nice, that's smart, I like that, it's really cool. So you are an accomplished like photographer and traveler and you, you, you are now a consultant for like one of the largest global consulting firms. How do you, how do you balance like your personal travel and, and goals while, while working that full-time consulting job right now? I have to be frank with you. I think it's, it's very hard and I've struggled to find balance from how I see it. I think a lot of people try to start their careers nowadays with seeking work-life balance. I think it's a new paradigm shift in a workplace with millennials going into workplace now expecting to, to have X, Y, and Z uh, accommodations. And my answer to that is, at least my own view, is I find balance in unbalance, if that makes sense. Um, I find that by dedicating all of my energy and efforts to my job at a time, and then when I'm traveling to dedicate all my time and energy to that, it's a greater sum than if I were to split my hairs and do both at the same time. So what do I mean by that? Right now, my job is incredibly challenging. Uh, I won't deny it. Consulting is long hours, and especially at BCG, it's, it can be uh, quite long. Um, but at the same time, I've definitely had tremendous professional growth over the past, uh, I think the last few months, I've grown, I think, more than what I would have in, in industry, let's say a few years, just uh, the high level of exposure, the, the fast turnaround and feedback and, and improvement opportunities. So without having that, I guess, massive investment of my time for that growth, I wouldn't be able to achieve that. And then when I do take my vacation or time off, uh, for example, I was able to take a few weeks off last year and then before my job, I took uh, a few months off to do that travel. When I can travel uninterrupted for, let's say, 30 to 60 days, that, in my opinion, leads to a much richer travel experience compared to, let's say, one week here, one week there. Because honestly, if you spend one week and you fly down to Peru or if you fly to Europe or if you fly to Africa or if you fly to Southeast Asia, you're not really going to be able to do much in a week. So I think your travel is quite limited from a reward uh, ratio uh, perspective. Right now, I'm at the point of my career where I spend a lot of time on my career and focused on developing myself as fast as I can. And then I know there'll be another stage in my 20s where I take some time off and just really focus on travel for, let's say, a few months at a time. And my view is that will give me more out of both worlds that if I took a more, let's say, normal job and worked normal hours and had just normal time off to travel. That's my, my view. Of course, it's different for different people. But uh, I, I, do, I do have to say I kind of miss the work-life balance of normal 40-hour work weeks and having um, completely free evenings to, let's say, uh, play the piano or go play sports with friends or just do, uh, do those kind of things. Um, but the trade-off makes sense for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I think a lot of people also try to seek work-life balance in situations where it's not really possible because anytime you're seeking balance, there's always a trade-off, right? Um, usually when you're in a tough professional environment, it's for a good reason with ex uh, accelerated learning. Now, if you're trying to trade that off with work-life balance, then your learning um, and improvement opportunities decrease as a result as well, right? Then it doesn't really make sense for you to be in that environment because 
if you're gonna let's say work at a tough job you might as well f- embrace it fully and seize all the benefits there if you're kind of in a tough job environment uh that's very demanding but at the same time you're not willing to put in the, the effort for it you're not really seizing the the benefits of the job and then if you leave later on you'll regret not seizing the moment properly when you were there so i think there's some danger in seeking balance because it might not always be achievable mm-hmm. and i think you really just have to ask yourself what's more important right do i value having that balance or do i really value maximizing my learning now when i want to do that and then seeking my other travel stuff uh, later on at least for me it's it's worked but of course i recognize everyone has different needs and different answers to that i hope that that uh, makes sense yeah, that's great. So like, just make sure I kind of understand. So basically it's just like whatever section you're in, like either work or travel, you're like, you focus a hundred percent on that. You're not trying to like stretch. Yeah, no compromise. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, I'm thinking like if I'm traveling, right. I want to travel. I never travel with a laptop. I can't imagine me, let's say, I know a lot of people who travel Southeast Asia, work as digital nomads and, you know, just work remotely, find client work uh, while they're in Bali or Vietnam or something like that. Quite frankly, I would never be able to do that because when I'm traveling, I just really want to do it fully with no strings attached. And thinking about like having a laptop and doing some work, let's say in a cafe, just defeats the purpose of travel for me. Um, so of course, that's that's all my my view. Uh, different people have different perspectives on that. But I just never found that uh, attractive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks. That's that's good advice. Sure. And I guess maybe another thing I just want to add on, uh, when I first started my career here um, at BCG, I did try to balance quite a few different personal commitments outside of work from an athletic perspective, from a photography perspective, and from a kind of personal project perspective. And then I found it was just impossible to do, like, juggle so many different tasks at once. And I found that kind of seeking that balance between so many different things, uh, in seeking that balance, I was getting the worst out of each bucket so as a result i deprioritized some tasks for later on in my life for example i really wanted to do uh, an ironman triathlon <laughs> uh i did finish a half ironman uh, back in university so i wanted to do a full ironman but then i realized training for that is kind of like another job essentially uh and did i really want to put in the hours to train for that versus like improving my photography or doing better at work and then i thought okay it's not really worth it at this moment in time maybe later on in my life. So, so yeah, I think when you're trying to balance too many things, it kind of takes away your energy from some things. And yeah, you just need to ask yourself if you selectively refocus that effort and intensity onto one or two buckets, you can maybe achieve more from a results perspective than if you distributed across many buckets and didn't get as much out of it. So just something to consider. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That makes sense. That's smart. smart way to do it, I think. Yeah, I think you realize that too when you start stretching yourself too thin and you realize, oh, I've committed to X, Y, and Z, but two weeks, three weeks, one month later, I haven't really made progress in any of these. It's like everything's moving at an inchworm pace. And then when you really put your energy in one or two things, you can see a massive improvement and you feel feel happy about it, right? Yeah, at least that's that's what I found working for me and I'm sure um, can be helpful for some other people as well. At least consider that perspective. <laughs> Definitely. You've got great perspectives on a lot of things. <laughs> Another perspective I'm interested in hearing about is how intercultural awareness plays into your work. Because I know you work for a very global firm. Do you also work on very culturally diverse teams? And how yeah. does that, how's that look for you? For sure. Yeah, I think that's one of the 
best things I've enjoyed about working here in Dubai. I mean, I grew up in Toronto, so I thought Toronto was one of the most multicultural cities in the world. I believe that is a fact somewhere, but don't quote me on that stat. Yeah, coming to Dubai, I don't know what the outer perception is, but for me, I never realized how diverse the expat community here is. An expat, short for expatriate, is just a person residing in a country other than their native country. And it often refers to professionals or skilled workers or artists that are taking work positions outside of their home country. Dubai, the city where Terry works, is located in the United Arab Emirates, or the UAE for short. Most expatriates in the UAE live in either Dubai or the nation's capital, Abu Dhabi. The UAE is home to over 200 nationalities, with Emiratis consisting of about only 20% of the nation's total population. This makes the United Arab Emirates home to one of the world's highest percentage of immigrants. This makes Dubai a culturally rich and diverse place to live and work indeed. But back to Terry now. And in my workplace, actually a lot of my teams have had tremendous diversity. And when I compared us back to my friends in the same firm or same jobs uh, back in Toronto, New York, uh, etc., it's all very monocultural there. Everyone had the same business background. Everyone was kind of the same age, did the same things in same clubs, uh, go to like, you know, the same restaurants and do the same things on weekends. It's, it's, I think it's a very uniform setting. Uh, and then coming here to Dubai just gave me that breeding space in terms of working with different backgrounds, different perspectives. For example, some of the case teams I've worked on, uh, there'd be people from India, there'd be people from um, different parts of Europe, like France, Germany, uh, Italy. Um, there'd be people from Brazil, uh, and then me, I was joking saying one, on one case, we had all the brick uh, country representations, things, Brazil, Russia, India, China, although I'm, I'm Canadian, but, uh, can count as Chinese, I guess. Uh, um, and, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Just things like that. So culturally, I think working in different teams, it's been quite rewarding because different cultures have different ways of working, different communication patterns. Some cultures are more direct in their communications. Others are more indirect in terms of, I guess, discussion purposes. Some people are, I mean, some cultures are more, let's say, authoritative and others are more observant. For example, I think um, East Asian culture, like uh, Chinese, Korean, one tendency is we tend to not challenge authority as much. And so it's, when you're doing a team discussion, right? Of course, in our job, everyone is encouraged to have a lot of uh, comments and feedback and present their own thoughts. I guess if you're ever working with, let's say, an, an East Asian person, you really need to put them on a spot <laughs> to get them to challenge something, right? Because if, if you just ask the group, you know, what do you think? They might not raise their objections, but you really have to ask them specifically because they usually have an idea, but then culturally, we're just not used to, let's say, conflict and challenging things where I think in the Western world, it's much more easy for you to just voice your opinion. I don't think this is good because of X, Y, and Z. Um, that's just one example and something I observed. So that's, I think, intercultural nuances within our working teams. Uh, and then, by the way, just if you weren't aware in consulting our teams, our consulting engagements are usually, let's say, two to four months on average. And then, so you're, you're changing teams every two to four months, which is also pretty cool. So you get to see different uh, leadership styles, different cultural tendencies. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's been pretty cool to see. Then, of course, that's the cultural nuances within 
uh, my company, then it's the question of the cultural nuance within my environment, right? Being in the Middle East, it's of course that Islamic uh, culture. And um, there's definitely some intricacies here as well. For example, I've experienced Ramadan and Eid now uh, in this region, which has been very cool and a very unique experience compared to what might be done back home, if, if there's anything at all. So coming here, I didn't know much about um, the celebrations or the whole festival and the purpose behind it. For example, just to give you some insights, during the month of May, Muslims, they start fasting. So they wake up uh, really early in the day to pray and they don't eat or drink anything during the whole day. And then uh, they break their fast um, uh, in the evenings. And that's something that we are very much aware of during our work uh, at our workplace uh, during that month. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting to learn from our colleagues, you know, how tough it is to, of course, to navigate working, working high pressure, uh, such a high pressure job, while also not eating and drinking during the day. Uh, and just learning, you know, why, why that is, the, the significance behind fasting. Uh, and I think that's definitely something cool I've learned that definitely would not have been exposed to back home. Yeah, to summarize, there's both the cultural nuances within your working teams and then against your geographic location. And I've been quite fortunate to be exposed to both. And it's definitely more interesting and colorful than what would uh, be the norm back home in Toronto or let's say in any city in the US where I think things are quite homogenous and uh, standardized. Yeah, definitely. You've got so much intercultural action going on that's incredible and i'm sure working on really diverse teams like that you just have really cool insights that come from such diverse perspectives as well that's awesome yeah you know terry it's been so great to have you thank you so much for talking with us you know kind of like in closing i guess like for those who are wanting to go and kind of kind of just almost do the same type of career path where they just go and take advantage of international opportunities uh, what what advice do you have for for those for those people? For sure. I mean, first of all, let's see. Hopefully, the global pandemic can cool down quite quickly, um, and uh, hopefully, it doesn't impact the outlook for international work uh, moving forward. But uh, if I were to give advice, it would probably be number one: uh, seize unique opportunities that are hard to come by. So I think uh, it's. You know, going back to what I said earlier, if you know you'll be, you have a home and a home base set up somewhere in, let's say, wherever you're based, um, you know you can return to that, right? It's um, when you're young, it's it's more. I think if you have that opportunity, go out and and explore. You'll make a lot of new friends. You'll meet uh, a new culture and learn from it, and you'll just, I think, have a different outlook on life because when you're based in the same place. You're just used to everything. You take things for granted and you don't really, I think, I think travel really opens your, your mind in that sense. So definitely seize, seize a global uh, experience if it comes by because it'll make you uh, a more open-minded person as a result. So that's number one. Uh, number two, of course, there's a lot of risks uh, associated with moving abroad. You're leaving behind all your friends, your family, your support network, all your familiarity. But I think tr uh, doing so does give you this sense of, confidence that you can handle any complex and amb ambiguous situation. I think that's a quite useful skill to have in life when you're completely not sure of what's going on. Uh, it can be scary, but at the same time, you'll learn to navigate through it. You learn to keep your cool. 
Uh, and that definitely has tremendous value, both wherever you work professionally, as well as in your life later on. Just being able to navigate uncertainty is definitely a nice skill to have. Uh, another, I guess, point of advice is when you are considering where to go, I think there's a few factors to consider, right? You should look at, I guess, what are you trying to get out of this experience, right? If you're more travel related, then you should think um, the criteria that I use kind of makes sense. Like Dubai is quite centrally located. It allowed me to explore these different locations and the vacation time uh, allowed for that as well. So I think those are just some, I guess, side tricks that to, to consider as well when you're looking at different locations. Uh, other advice for going abroad. Sure. I mean, all of our discussion right now is centered around more professionally uh, working. Of course, there's also other shorter term engagements, such as teaching English in a, in a non-English speaking country or going to volunteer with a nonprofit or a social enterprise. Those are also very viable avenues as well. But uh, when you are going abroad, just keeping in mind that you're not going to change the world or have that kind of uh, <laughs> mindset and just being very humble and realizing you're traveling abroad and you're, you're there to learn and take as much out of the opportunity as, as you can, because one day you'll definitely be coming back home. And then when you are back home, make sure you don't have any regrets uh, that you left behind in that place. That's good. Yeah. Now I, I find that to be the case where a lot, a lot of people do go on like humanitarian trips and they're like, I'm going to make a radical change wherever I go. But really it is almost more about like the change you're going to be making in yourself compared to like what you're actually going to do out there right definitely you you learn much more and benefit more than any community would from your presence so i think just having that mindset in place also helps uh you gain more from such an experience definitely thank you guys uh appreciate the, the chat and take care stay safe and um and keep in touch i guess and if you're ever traveling or thinking of working abroad feel free to drop a message thank you Take care, guys. Bye-bye. What a really great convo with Terry. I know. He gave so much great advice for young professionals. Mm -hmm. Did you have any favorite points? I really appreciated his point that um, we should really take this time as young professionals to do things like travel or like shape our lives, basically, because we have more flexibility now than we ever will. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to follow his advice about how to maximize both your career goals mm -hmm. and your personal goals. And I really appreciated his point that when you're in another culture, you really want to immerse yourself and recognize that the way they do things, while they're different, that doesn't make them better or worse necessarily. It's not a moral decision if you have to give the cash before you get your grocery bags or if you get your grocery bags before you give the cash. Right. And he's had so much experience being immersed in different cultures that he's a great person to speak to that. Mm -hmm. Well, listeners, if you appreciated Terry's advice as much as we have today, we encourage you to head over to internationalhub.org where we'll be posting another episode of this podcast next week with more wise counsel and wisdom for uh, your future endeavors. Also, if you want to give Terry a follow on Instagram, he does incredible adventure photography. <laughs>